it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Whoa, yes it is. For the last time in 2023, it is Fox Across America, Paul Bleiser, filling in for Jimmy today and hoping that you'll weigh in at 888-788-9910. I love doing this show because I get to talk to you. Love talking to people from across the country. 888-788-9910. So... If you had to pick uh, one of the things that got talked about here on Fox Across America or any of the other talk shows on the station where you're listening now in 2023, if you had to pick the top talk top talk topic of this year, say that ten times, if you had to pick the number one topic on your mind, what would it be? We're going to help you organize your thoughts on that because I have here on the phone with me one of my best friends in the business. His name is Michael Harrison. He's the publisher of Talkers Magazine, the industry trade publication. Yes, Talk Radio has its own industry trade publication. It's called the Bible of Talk Radio and the New Talk Media, as it says there on the masthead. All of us in the biz check in with Michael every week because if there's anything going on in Talk Radio, Michael is on top of it. Michael's a friend, a colleague, a really smart man, and a really good guy. Michael, hey, man, how are you doing? Thanks for coming on the show. What a nice introduction. Thank you so much, and a very happy New Year to you, Paul, and to all the listeners of Jimmy Fela across the country. It's a pleasure to be with everybody, and uh, these uh, year-end conversations are always fascinating. Um, you mentioned uh, what people think are important topics. I don't know how important these topics are, but these are the topics that people have been talking about. So this is um, this is not necessarily the the biggest news stories or the most important ones, but these are the biggest topics and people that have been talked about according to our very diligent research on talk radio stations, particularly news talk, and uh, as well as uh, talk media, which is the expanded world of, of talk radio. We see that on uh, on television, on cable news talk and, uh, and podcasts. So uh, talk radio's sphere of influence has certainly gone beyond the platform of radio. So uh, it's been an interesting year, and uh, where do you want to begin? Well, I want to begin with telling people you publish three lists every year. One is the is the top 100 uh, talk hosts, talk shows in America. You've let you mm-hmm. yet to put out a list of the top fill-in hosts, but I'm hoping to make it onto that list. But you also mm-hmm. publish the top topics of the year and the top people of the year. So let's start with the topics. What are they for 2023, according to your research? Okay, here we go. At number 10, the Hunter Biden investigation. At number 9, all of the philosophy, theology, and politics attached to abortion. Crime and homelessness at number 8. At number 7, the House Speaker chaos that um, took a long time to settle. At number 6, we have wars. The big ones, of course, uh, the Israel-Hamas war and uh, Ukraine and Russia. And that's tied with foreign relations at number six. At number five, AI, social media, and big tech. At number four, immigration. At number three, the economy. At number two, Donald Trump's legal battles. And at number one, the 2024 presidential race. And, of course, 
it's soon going to be 2024. I think we've been talking about the 2024 presidential race since 2020. Uh, it's about 10 <laughs> minutes after it was that. over in 2020. We were starting mm-hmm. talking about the 2024 race. Well, let me right. ask. I want, me I, ask. Want, I want to give just real quick. I want to give honorable mention to climate change, education and race relations uh, are also very big topics from uh, this past year, 2023. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, that's okay. And, and let, let me throw this in. If, if 2023 were starting now, if, or if it were if it were Tuesday of next week, and Nikki Haley had done what she did Wednesday night, would that make the list? Um, I'm going to play you a cut here, um, Michael. I'm sure you've heard this uh, from oh, yeah. uh, from a. Uh, I want to put for people out there that may not have heard it from the uh, town hall that she did in Berlin, New Hampshire on Wednesday, and the question of the Civil War came up. Here it is, uh, cut seven. What was the cause of the United States Civil War? Well, don't come with an easy question or anything. I mean, I think the cause of the Civil War was basically how government was going to run, the freedoms and what people could and couldn't do. What do you think the cause of the Civil War was? I'm not running for president. I, 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 I wanted to see uh, your view on the cause of the civil war. I mean, I think it always comes down to the role of government and what the rights of the people are. Thank you. And in, in the year 2023, it's astonishing to me that you answer that question without mentioning the word slavery. What do you want me to say about slavery? No, um, uh, you answered my question. Michael, that that topic dominated a talk show I filled in for locally in Dallas Fort Worth yesterday. Does mm-hmm. does this does this make the list if we're starting the 2024 today? I think it would. Um, I, I think it would be um, uh, stand out as a topic unto its own, although it fits into the the bigger story of the 2024 presidential race. Uh, this is where what we do gets a little tricky. How 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 thin do you slim the do you, do you slice the bologna? You know. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. But it uh, it definitely uh, it definitely was interesting. Of course, there's a lot of people with different takes on it. Some people actually think that uh, Nikki Haley doesn't know her American history. Uh, wrong. Um, a lot of people uh, think that she uh, was pandering to what she saw as the primary votership base. Right. Uh, A lot of people think she just wasn't fast on her feet in coming up with an answer that satisfied all the problems. She um, and we just heard her on this clip. Those who saw it on TV saw that her her physicality, her um, body language indicated tremendous defensiveness. And her answer, no matter where you stand politically, was lame. She didn't handle herself very well. As for how much damage that'll do her, who knows? You know, in this era of uh, lots of stories breaking constantly, people spinning things to their own political desire and short-term attention span, I don't know how much legs this will have. But well, uh, yeah, but I, I do remember 2011, do well. November 2011, a GOP debate, Rick Perry couldn't remember – that he wanted to eliminate the uh, Department of Education, and he had his oops moment, and his ca- his campaign died that second. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. A thing like that can, in fact, derail you. The thing is, we don't really know whether or not uh, wh- where the heck uh, she stands uh, in terms of if the election were to be held anyway. I mean, the polls are uh, erratic. We all know that. Uh, the only poll that really matters is uh, is is the poll on election day or leading up to it if it's early voting, you know the polls, and um, 
the turnout of elections nowadays really depends on voter turnout, how the how the elections go. So um, I don't know if you can compare it to uh, to Perry's uh, gaffe, but um, she didn't handle it well. If she wanted to skin the cat, you know, and, and answer and make everybody happy, she could have said, oh, the Civil War has a lot of reasons of slavery, of course, but there's also economics. There's also states' rights. There's also um, culture, heritage. There's a lot to it. It's a very complicated topic. And then she and, well, and she could have slipped she could have slipped slavery in there very carefully. I think it was a setup though. I I, I my instincts tell me that the uh, the fellow that asked the question was a plant, um, either oh, from DeSantis or Trump or who knows. But it didn't oh, sound it didn't sound real to me. Almost certainly. But does this not you know, Michael Harrison, publisher of Talkers magazine, we're talking about the top talk top talk topics. See, I can't say that of 2023. But does, the, okay. <laughs> but does this not illustrate the fact that we have we have in politics we have gone from substantive debate, uh, we've gone from the Lincoln Douglas debates, we've gone from that to everybody's looking for the gotcha uh, knockout punch that can be uh, turned into campaign commercials and flooded all over social media. Oh, I think that you're absolutely right. I think that's exactly what's happening. And I think that it's very difficult to run a complicated country, let alone a complicated democracy, when you have short-term attention span, when you have inherent uh, dishonesty and corruption in terms of institutions. And uh, basically, uh, people are disingenuous uh, and, uh, and, and try to spin everything uh, to their own ego uh, that they've invested in the election and being able to win you know, the debate with their crazy uncle at the Thanksgiving table as opposed to really caring about what happens. We have a, an educational crisis in this country, and therefore it's very difficult to have a democracy that works when people go to the polls, the real polls, without the right information to make uh, a decision based upon critical thinking. Uh, woefully, woefully lost, uh, uh, lost uh, aspects of our culture that uh, we really need to get back to. Well, you brought up education. Let's look forward into 2024. Here in the in the closing weeks of 2023, we had the whole thing with respect to um, the presidents of three of the top institutions in the country: uh, Harvard, MIT, and UPenn. Could not come up with a cogent answer to what should have been a yes-no question is um, it is it does it violate speech code and codes of conduct on your campuses to call for the genocide of Jews and none of them gave a satisfactory answer that has shown a bright light into the uh, onto the whole subject of American higher education does the worth and value of a college degree make the list in 2024 I think that uh, this is a major, major issue. It's economic, it's sociological, and of course it's educational uh, in terms of the the areas of uh, our society that it touches. But uh, people are uh, questioning, uh, should I get $100,000 into debt or more to be able to have a degree that um, is the result of indoctrination and really deals with a topic that doesn't uh, help me in any way, shape, or form get a profession uh, in which I could make a living and pay the damn debt? Uh, we, <laughs> I, I personally see um, in many cases university and college system today as being an extended childhood for people that don't want to face the real world and want to remain kids for another four years, and uh, so much of it is a waste of time. Um, I think that we're at a point uh, – I think that the, the event that you talk about, those three 
college presidents of very, very esteemed institutions were exposed um, under the glaring light of the media uh, at their, um, you know, uh, testimony before the Congress. They were exposed, and a lot of the hypocrisy and um, just the downright corruption, the rot of our university system in America uh, has been exposed, and hopefully it is a big issue next year and people will start to, uh, to remedy it. I, I, I don't think the answer is not to go to college and not to get an education. The answer is to make the college and the education affordable and valuable. Um, you know, uh, not being educated is not the answer to the problem of bad education. We have to have good education. Otherwise, one way or the other, we lose. Absolutely true. If you want to weigh in on this, 888-788-9910. We're talking with Michael Harrison, the publisher of Talkers Magazine. Okay, education for a top 10 topic for 2024, possibly. What else do you see on the in the windshield headed forward? Oh, well, heading forward uh, is the unknown. Uh, you know, we, we have this uh, assumption. We all go through life that uh, these are the topics and these are the things we're dealing with and uh, that basically uh, – uh, nothing unusual will happen. Well, the unusual has a great place in the history of our tracking these things, things that you just never would expect. One of the um, the, well, the, the Israeli-Hamas uh, war that just started, no one knew that there was going to be a massacre of uh, Israeli citizens uh, out of the blue. Uh, and leading to a crisis that could lead to a nuclear holocaust. Uh, 9-11 came out of the blue. I mean, there were people that had, you know, indications of it, et cetera, but that changed everything. I remember the Oklahoma bombing uh, when that happened. Uh, even the O.J. Simpson murder uh, trial, uh, murder trial uh, changed the course of conversation for years during the, uh, the 1990s. Anything can happen you know, an asteroid could hit the planet. Um, <laughs> anything that can happen that, Paul, it would change the entire nature of the national conversation. Um, so um, my answer to the question always is the unknown will be the big story. Otherwise, it's easy. We're going to be talking about the presidential race. We're going to be talking about Donald Trump's legal battles. We're going to always be talking about the economy. Uh, immigration is not going to wrap itself up. AI is an ongoing issue, that, and, and the, the power of big tech and the influence of people like Elon Musk, um, you know, <laughs> these are going to be there. It's, it, it doesn't take a crystal ball to predict that. But what's going to happen? What's that black swan that's uh, going to change things drastically and change not only the nature of our conversation, but the things that we change our priorities about as being important to our lives. That's the mystery. Michael Harrison, always insightful, a good friend, Talkers Magazine, Talkers.com. Thanks for being part of the program today, Michael, and a happy new year to you. Happy New Year to you and all of Jimmy's listeners. Thank you so much. Michael, take care. So what's on your list, your top ten? Want to hear from you, 888-788-9910. The list is 2024 presidential race, Trump's legal battles, the economy, the southern border and immigration, AI, social media, and big tech, the wars that we find ourselves a part of, even if we don't really want to recognize that, the speakership, the House chaos, the state of the Congress, and the state of the Republican Party um, uh, leadership in the in the House of Representatives in that very very thin majority, crime and homelessness. Our cities are 
are turning into homeless encampments and crime-infested hellholes. The the fraught subject of abortion and the Hunter Biden investigation rounding out the top ten. What's on your list? 888-788-9910. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fela here on Fox Across America. More is coming. Stay with us. You're riding around with America's cabbie. Taxi! Taxi! You're hanging out with Jimmy Fela on Fox Across America. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. Wrapping up 2023, this is the last show of the year. Jimmy back on the, to talk about 2024 and get it launched on Tuesday of next week. But for today, we're wrapping up 2023. Set the show up in the first segment with Talkers Magazine publisher Michael Harrison, who keeps track of these things. What were the top 10 topics on talk radio in 2023. Here's one that didn't make the list. It kind of makes the list tangentially via other items on the list. But a big one for me is weaponization of government against the voters, ultimately. Who is Shenna Bellows? I'll bet before this morning you didn't know. She is the uh, Secretary of State for the great state of Maine. And she has taken it upon herself with no court ruling, with no action of the legislature, with nothing other than her opinion to be the, become the second state to take Donald Trump off the ballot in the primary season. She's just decided on her own. In the name of preserving democracy, she's going to make sure that there's no democracy. She's going to remove from the voters the discretion to pick who they want to be the president of the United States. She is going to take Donald Trump off the ballot just because she thinks it should happen. This this is the sort of thing we say whether she's going after Donald Trump. No, she's not. She's going after you. If Donald Trump is such a bad guy, if Joe Freebish running for office is such a bad guy, let the voters render that judgment. If you if you think you have to preemptively keep people off the ballot, it means nothing other than you don't trust the voters. Because those smelly Walmart shoppers out there, they're not smart enough, but you are, so you alone get to decide who's going to run the government. This is the this ought to be a huge topic. What do you think? 888-788-9910. It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America, taking your calls as the show goes along, and we have a guest coming up after the bottom of the hour. Hope you'll stick around. Going to be a fun show. Don't go away. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. The last Fox Across America for 2023. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fela. The first Fox Across America for 2024 will include 
actual Jimmy Fallon on Tuesday of next week. If you just got to have a Jimmy fix, he's going to be filling in for Greg Gutfeld twice today on the Fox News Channel. First on The Five, which airs at 5, curiously enough, Eastern Time. Then again on Gutfeld tonight at 10 Eastern. Got to get some, some TV Jimmy today, but Radio Jimmy's back on Tuesday of next week. Meanwhile, it's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy here and taking your calls as the hour and as the show goes along at 888-788-9910. But meanwhile, we have on the phone with us Tony Guy, retired Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Tony Grady, I'm sorry, um, who is um, running for um, the Senate uh, to unseat uh, Jackie Rosen in the great state of Nevada. Colonel, welcome to the show. It's my pleasure to be here, Paul. Thanks for having me. Listen, a lot of things about you to like, one of which is you're trying to unseat Jackie Rosen. Number two, you and I are both airplane drivers. You were a, you flew B-2s as I, as I read your, your bio. Is that correct? That is correct. I was the commander of the B-2 Stealth Bomber Tusk Squadron. So as a Tusk pilot, I got to test it, but I also managed all the folks who were doing all the testing and the great engineers who helped that program uh, become one of the most successful test programs. So, yes, I flew the B-2, great airplane. Sat in the cockpit of that thing in a bit of static display in Wichita, Kansas. You also flew for FedEx, worked in the dark of the night. I did. I did. Okay, uh, I got. I got to know since I get the pilot talk out of the way. What air, what airplane were you flying for FedEx? I flew the MD11 for FedEx. Uh, I did fly the Airbus and uh, was an engineer on the DC10. But I spent most of my time in the MD11, both in the right seat and in the left seat. You never got in the 727. I'm a three holer fan myself. So, <laughs> well, you know. Um, that that's there's no problem with that. <laughs> the seven, seven, the beautiful airplane, except you had no idea what it was going to do in the last six inches above the above the pavement. It was the, the, anyway. Enough well, of all of that. Listen, here's the big question, um, Colonel. Yes. The big question is: Is the Secretary of State in Nevada going to let you stay on the ballot? Well, you know, I'm really concerned about that. But you know what? Uh, in, in Nevada, there's a lot of people that are armed. So I don't think you'll see uh, too many shenanigans coming out of uh, anywhere in our government in Nevada. <laughs> Listen, you, you are you are part of the hope that the GOP has for flipping the Senate in 2024, as we have great concerns about losing the House in 2024. You're up against incumbent Jackie Rosen. Um, just lay out that campaign for us. How, what does it look like? How does it shape up? Well, it's a competitive campaign, but just to cut to the chase, uh, your listeners can go to GradyForNevada.com, and that's just G-R-A-D-Y-F-O-R-Nevada.com and see where I stand. But the key thing is this. In running against Jackie Rosen, I have a skill set that I think many non-traditional Republican voters will look at. Uh, my dad being in foreign service, I grew up inside and outside the United States. I understand foreign policy and diplomacy and how that works. Being in the Air Force for 20 years, I understand the uh, the uh, military instrument of power, worked in the Pentagon, worked on the president's budget, the bomber portion of it. I understand how our budget process works. But you know what? I think that the most important thing your listeners need to know is that I have been married to my bride for 40 years. We have four children. Children don't listen. I went to the Air Force Academy. Uh, the oldest went to Annapolis and the baby went to West Point because, you know, children don't listen. But the reality <laughs> is, is I understand how to help young people be successful. We should 
we should elect leaders that want all American children to be successful so they're our future. So in summary, I'll say I come with the skill set of understanding diplomacy, foreign policy, the economic instrument of power, military instrument of power. And I think a lot of people will take a look at that when I go up against Jackie Rosen. Listen, the world is becoming a more dangerous place. On October 7th, it became exponentially more, more dangerous. One of the things that worries me, and I don't, think, I don't think enough is being said about this, and I don't think there's enough of appreciation of the history, the United States military was badly depleted and in a, in a poor state on December 6th of 1941. The Army was the smallest. It, it, it was, it was, the Army was very, very small compared to the force of World War I. It, it had shrunk down to a, a, a really, really small number. Here, on, the, on may God forbid, the, world, the eve of World War III, if, you know, if we can't de-escalate things, what's the state of our military today? I think the main problem that we have in our military today is leadership. In terms of the rank and file, uh, American uh, uh, military personnel have always risen to the occasion. But you have to have good leadership, and we've had very poor leadership, and that's one reason that we need to get the uh, Biden administration out of office and get back on track. We do have some issues with funding in terms of military equipment. A lot of people may not understand, but uh, the, uh, some of the bills that are going to Ukraine and they see the large numbers, some of those have to do with backfilling of our own munitions that we have given to other people. So they're not as straightforward as, as you would think. We do need to backfill in terms of our own equipment. But I still come back to leadership. And you can see that from the standpoint that uh, many of the services, except for the Marines, have missed their goal in terms of recruiting because you cannot recruit uh, our young uh, men and women to serve in the military if they don't have the vision of what they're doing. And right now we have uh, leaders that are hostile to the United States. We need to change that. We change that, we'll be fine. We do, like I say, have some structural things that we have to deal with, but leadership is key. Well, for, and I think most importantly, be sure we get all the gender pronouns correct. Uh, like I said, leadership is key. Yeah, ab- <laughs> absolutely. So one of the things that I'm deeply concerned about with respect to the state of our country, uh, we're talking with uh, uh, retired Lieutenant Colonel Tony Grady running for uh, the Senate in the great state of Nevada, trying to unseat incumbent Jackie Rosen. One of the things that, that I'm concerned about is the weaponization of government. Uh, here we have the – I've let off the segment, will the Secretary of State keep you on the ballot? Because the Secretary of State in Maine just unilaterally kicked Donald Trump off the ballot in that state. The court, uh, the Supreme Court of, uh, of Colorado, to led that charge, taking Trump off the ballot. We have these malicious prosecutions. We have selective prosecution. Uh, justice for thee and, and, and not for me, for Republicans versus Democrats. Where do you stand on that, and how does it get fixed? Well, the way it gets fixed is people need to remind it that we are a uh, representative republic, I am a constitutional originalist and a fiscal conservative. And so the actions of uh, these folks, both the Supreme Court in uh, Colorado and then uh, you have Maine, you have a person that unilaterally thinks that they can take somebody off the ballot. I'm surprised that even Gavin Newsom in California, who I'm not a fan of, said that we don't uh, deal with our opponents by taking them off the, the, uh, the ballot. 
we we determine who we're going to have by voting. And that's because we are a constitutional republic. So we need to get rid of this regime that is hostile to our constitution. The constitution specifies what you can do and what you cannot do. Maine is totally out of control because you do not um, uh, do anything to a person without due process. That even came up in the Colorado court decision that some of the dissenting uh, Supreme Court justices said, there's been no due process here to determine uh, what they're going forward with. So what happens is that they are pushing the boundaries to see if they're going to be stopped. And we need leadership to stop them because our Constitution specifies that a person is, an, is innocent until proven guilty and that there's due process and these folks are out of control. They actually should be removed from their jobs. Colonel, the country is spending $2 trillion a year more than it takes in. We're creeping up on 30, not creeping up, we're barreling toward $35 trillion in national debt. That was easier to swallow when interest rates were effectively zero. Inflation has touched off the the, the rise in interest rates, so we, we, it takes a trillion dollars a year just to pay the interest and just to make the minimum payments on the MasterCard, and yet Congress cannot pass spending bills. We can't pass a budget on time. What say part you? Of that, part of that problem is that we're out of regular order, meaning that uh, we have our 12 appropriations. They're supposed to go through the House, and then uh, the, the Senate has its parallel process, and then they come to a uh, conference, and uh, they come up with, uh, with the law. They come up uh, with what we're going to do in terms of spending. We are outside of that. And we need to get back to that. And that's why I would offer to the people that a physical conservative like myself needs to go up there and to um, join the people that want to get us back to regular order. But here's the key. We can get out of this. It's going to be hard. There's going to be some belt tightening. One of my first objectives would be to get us back to energy independence. Uh, We need to open a Keystone Pipeline, drill an Anwar. Uh, That will help our entire economy because when your energy prices go down, that will start to eat away at inflation. But the way we're going to have to deal with this is to grow our GDP and to grow it at a much greater rate than it is right now. So we would start that by fixing the energy problem. So in summary to to the answer is that we need to get back to regular order in terms of how we pass our spending bills. And we need to do the things that we we need to do in terms of getting uh, energy independent, which we were uh, four years ago and, uh, you know, five years ago and, and not so much now. Colonel Tony Grady, Republican, running for U.S. Senate in Nevada. Last question here as we wrap up the segment, Colonel. Um, A lot of pundits are saying that the Republicans have a good chance of flipping the the Senate in 2024. The electoral map is favorable toward that outcome. Let's assume that that happens. I'm going to put you on the spot. If the Republicans retake control of the Senate, is Mitch McConnell the guy to be the leader starting in 2025? I think we need uh, new leadership all the way around. Uh, We have to do something different than we've done before. And I think what's going to happen is that those of us who will be in the Senate right right then and and that point in time are going to have to come together and decide what direction they were going in. You know, there were some good things that Mitch McConnell did in terms of helping us get conservative judges up on the Supreme Court. 
but also there have been deals that have been made that have um, uh, angered a lot of uh, the conservative, fiscal conservatives, and the Republicans out there that I represent. So I'm not sure Mitch McConnell would be the person to lead forward, but that's not an individual decision on my part. That would be a decision that once that new group of senators got together, um, we would have to put our heads together and determine what direction we're going in. Well, let's let's pray that you have that problem of determining what direction to go uh, go in because we want the GOP to retake the Senate. It'd be great if we could hold the House, but we certainly don't want to hand um, the the entirety of Capitol Hill over to the Democrats in uh, starting in 2025. So we wish you success. If people want to know more about your campaign, if they want to want to help you out, how do they do it, Colonel? Yes, please. If they'll go to GradyForNevada.com, and that's G-R-A-D-Y-F-O-R, Nevada spelled out, dot com. They'll see my positions up at the top. They can sign up for the newsletter and see uh, Tony on the trail. I, I would love for them to donate. We could use all the help we can get because we're a grassroots uh, uh, movement. And then also people can volunteer. But we are going to take back the Senate, and uh, this 2024 is going to be a bright year for us. How are you? Do, how are you doing on money versus your opponent? I, I think that uh, I'm I'm doing well for a grassroots guy. I know that there are, uh, but you, you know, Jackie Rosen has much more money than uh, uh, any of the Republicans do. Uh, basically, she's being being unopposed. So money's always a challenge. Uh, this is a particular tough time of year when uh, you know we've got Christmas going on in the new year. But uh, we're going forward. Things are looking up. Very well. Colonel, wish you the very best in, the, in, a, in a safe and a happy new year and uh, look forward to talking to you as Senator Tony Grady sometime early in 2025. Paul, thanks for having me on. It was my pleasure to be here. Thank you a lot. There he goes, Colonel Tony Grady running for Senate in the great state of Nevada. Here we go. More of uh, Fox Across America with Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon after the break. The show not afraid to call out both sides of the aisle. He's the other side's worst nightmare. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's Fox Across America. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon, listening to you say what's on your mind. Your top topic. Talk radio, the things we talk about on this show in 2023. What's number one for you? 888-788-9910, Ponte Vedra, Florida. Pamela, you're the leadoff caller. What say you? First, let me say that I enjoy listening to you very much, Paul. Well, that's nice but, of you to say. Thank you. You're welcome. My number one issue are the Republicans and the immigration issue and impeachment. They're trying to impeach Biden for the articles of, that he's, he and his son are you know, doing all of these illegal things. Why haven't they been trying to impeach him over this immigration? Well, he swore to uphold the Constitution, and he is letting these people come in our country nonstop. Well, of course, and he's, he, he's completely changing the character of the country if this allows to, if it is allowed to continue. You know, you can't, we, no country can allow millions of people who, most of whom don't have much education, don't have much in the way of skills. They're impoverished. They don't bring anything with them. They will become dependent the minute they walk across the border. No country can survive that. And why, 
Joe Biden would would allow that to happen. It the the only reason you can come up with is highly cynical, and that is because he he's a Democrat and he wants to import Democrat voters. That's the only plausible explanation because it's costing him politically even democrats now that they're having to live with the effects of of unfettered illegal immigration in places like new york and washington and chicago now that they're having to actually see what it's like democrats are turning on him so the only thing you can come up with cynically pamela is that he's trying to import a a, a, a generation of democrat voters that will ensure democrat majorities going forward into the indefinite future but, Pamela, let me tell you this. The, the only real impeachment that works is the impeachment brought about by the voters because removing somebody from office is extremely difficult. It, it takes a two-thirds majority in the Senate in order to do it, and you're not going to get that. It does. The, the political votes don't exist to remove uh, Joe Biden from office. The reason that the House is pursuing an impeachment investigation is not necessarily for the purpose of, of impeaching him and removing him from office. It's just it opens up the door to the discovery so that we can all see exactly what it is the Biden crime family was up to. Does that make sense to you, Pamela? It absolutely does, Paul. But where are the Republicans on all of this? Well, that house has, done a, saying... house has done a pretty good job on it. I mean, you've got to give Comer and, and, uh, and I just went blank on uh, Jordan. You've got to give those guys credit. Jordan? That's right, because but all they say is we want to make sure that we cross all of our T's and dot all of our I's. In the meantime, when the Democrats want to start an impeachment, no, no, they do it. They, they do, do it do on it. the turn of a dime. I've got to be rude to you here, Pamela, because I'm up against a hard break at the top of the hour. But you know, the immigration and the and the dereliction of his constitutional duty as president. My goodness, you can indict. Uh, uh, Joe Biden on that easily. Hour two of Fox Across America coming up. Uh, after the top of the hour, stay with us. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Kicking off hour two of Fox Across America, Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon. Wanting to hear from you at 888-788-9910, 888-788-9910. We love off the first hour. We're talking with Michael Harrison, publisher of Talkers Magazine. He keeps tab, tabs on this sort of thing. What are the top ten topics on talk radio for 2023? They were, in descending order, the 2024 election, Trump's legal battles, the economy, immigration, social media, AI, tech, the whole that, the social media and, and the, the, the tech impact on just about everything, including our politics, war in Ukraine, and late in October, uh, late in the year in October, war breaking out in Israel. The chaos in the House of Representatives couldn't settle on a House speaker, uh, shut down the whole process on Capitol Hill for about 22 days. Crime and homelessness in once great American cities. As we watch our, 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 our marquee cities in the United States turn into crime-infested homeless camps, uh, number nine was the subject of abortion, uh, the the fallout still from the uh, overturning of Roe v. Wade. And, of course, Hunter Biden made the news, made the list, top ten. Hunter Biden, his laptop, and everything that flowed out of the laptop, including the overwhelming evidence that um, Hunter was the bag man for his dad, making the, 
the, the Biden crime family rich selling influence for millions of dollars around the world. Those were the top 10 in 2023. What's on your list? 888-788-9910. The 2024 election, we thought this week, those of us worried about producing a, a talk show in the week between Christmas and New Year's, usually a very, very slow news week, said, so what are we going to talk about? Well, it's going to be kind of a slow news week. We won't have a lot to talk about. Oh, we were wrong about that. Nikki Haley jumped up and gave us something to talk about. Wednesday, she was in Berlin, New Hampshire, in advance of the New Hampshire primary, which comes up the third week of January. Uh, the games start to count in uh, in politics starting in January. The Iowa caucus is just 17 days away on the uh, 15th of January, and we're off to the races. It stops being theoretical and becomes real. So there's Nikki Haley in New Hampshire, where she has, according to one poll, pulled within four points of front-runner Donald Trump. That's the closest anybody has been in any poll to Donald Trump all year long. So there is Nikki Haley looking like she's got some a little bit of wind at her back and on an upward trajectory. She's in a town hall in Berlin, New Hampshire, Wednesday, in what was uh, everybody believes, everybody that's you know being objective believes, was a planted question. She was asked about the cause of the Civil War. Here it is, cut seven. What was the cause of the United States Civil War? Well, don't come with an easy question or anything. I mean, I think the cause of the Civil War was basically how government was going to run, the freedoms and what people could and couldn't do. What do you think the cause of the Civil War was? I'm not running for president. I, 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 I wanted to see uh, your That's a good thing on the cause of the Civil War. I mean, I think it always comes down to the role of government and what the rights of the people are. Thank you. And in, in the year 2023, it's astonishing to me that you answer that question without mentioning the word slavery. What do you want me to say about slavery? No, um, uh, you answered my question. Yeah, that was not a great moment for Nikki Haley, and we'll see what impact it has on her uh, chances in New Hampshire and going forward. I mean, it has the potential of um, of being um, career-ending, politically speaking. Uh, it has the it has a potential to do a lot of damage. Um, all you, the the campaign commercials just cut themselves. Uh, you can uh, you can count on if she were to become the nominee of the Republican Party, you can count on uh, campaign commercials made out of that moment. So she started trying to walk it back immediately, and so um, yesterday uh, she was in um, on on in North North Conway, New Hampshire, and she tried to clarify what she was saying in, with response to the Civil War question. Here it is, cut number ten, the walk back. I think everybody thinks that the Civil War is about slavery. It was more, what's the bigger issue of it? You know, we went through 80 years of that, and we know that people were struggling with what's the role of government, what's the role of individual freedom. And the lesson we should take away from Civil Wars, yes, never allow slavery to happen again, but what does that mean for government and the role of individual freedom? We want every person to have the freedom of speech, religion, to live their life in any way without anyone doing anything to hamper that. That's what this was about. Well, so in an illustration of what happens, what can be done with a with a gaffe like that, uh, that town hall in, in Berlin, New Hampshire, here's Governor Ron DeSantis 
her opponent in the primary season, her he too seeking to be the nominee for the Republican Party. His numbers have been sinking since he announced. As Nikki Haley's have been rising, we'll see if that holds. But here he is last night on Laura Ingram responding to that walk back. Now, cut 12. Well, it was a massive word salad. I still don't understand what she was trying to say with that. Why she would have gone down that road, I don't know. Look, we're Republicans. The Republican Party was founded to oppose slavery and its expansion. And the reason slavery got abolished in the United States was because of the Republican Party uh, and the election of Abraham Lincoln uh, and what happened in the ensuing years. And so I'm glad that the role the Republican Party played uh, in exterminating slavery from the United States. And that uh, made us more in line with the values that the country was founded on, that we're all entitled to God-given rights and we should be treated equally under the law. Listen, I've been watching. I've been watching Nikki Haley and thinking, you know, she's a comer, she's a player, she has talent. Did this derail her? What do you think? Eight 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 seven eight eight ninety nine ten. On the other topics on the top ten list of talk radio topics in twenty twenty three, the twenty twenty four election, Trump's legal woes, the economy, immigration, social media, big tech, war, chaos in the House of Representatives, crime in our big cities, homelessness too, abortion, and Hunter Biden on that list. Or, or one not on that list. What do you think? The things that, if you had to say, this was the top thing that got my attention listening to listening to the radio and considering the issues that are going to be before us going forward, what's on your list? 888-788-9910. 888-788-9910. Paul Gleiser sending in for Jimmy Fela. Inviting you, by the way, uh, in 2024, I'd love for you to become a subscriber to my weekly column, You Tell Me Texas. Com. I'm coming to you from the great state of Texas, from Fox Across America radio affiliate KTBB, one of the early adopters of this great program, a big friend to Jimmy. Um, love for you to follow me in my weekly column, You Tell Me Texas.com. I say what's on my mind, you say what's on yours. That's why we call it You Tell Me, and you don't have to be from Texas. Meanwhile, back on the, on the Nikki Haley thing. I. Nikki Haley was making a lot of sense to a lot of people, and I and I w- was looking at her and uh, spending quite a bit of time just listening to what she says. I think she nailed it with respect to the GOP's response on abortion that makes the GOP electable among independents and Democrats and suburban women. I think she nailed it. I think she she got it right at that second debate, I believe it was, the GOP debate, when that when that subject came up, I thought she did a great job. Uh, she was uh, she was a Trump appointee to be to be ambassador. Uh, she has said, and I agree with her, that Trump was a a the the right guy in 2016 to be the president. But now it's time to move on. She said that. Whether you believe it's time to to move on or not, I think we can all agree that Trump was the right guy in 2016. She had a lot going for her. And then this this moment where all she had to say. What was the cause of the Civil War? Well, that its root was slavery. And because we had not as a nation reconciled the irreconcilable difference between what was stated in our founding documents and our founding ideals and what was actually happening in the world. The Republican Party was, in fact, established because of opposition to and abhorrence of slavery. And all she had to say was it was the Republicans who who got elected, 
the first Republican president was Abraham Lincoln, and it was the Republican Party's job to rid the country of slavery. She could have said that. It would have been over. And instead, she went down this rabbit hole of big government. And I wish she hadn't have done that. Because as a practical matter now, unless you disagree with me, I'd love to hear from you, are we down to the following? Nikki Haley just disqualified herself by this gaffe, so she's out. Ron DeSantis has done nothing but sink in the polls since he announced in May of this year that he was officially running. Chris Christie is a is a gas bag and a kind of a, of a, a joke, and nobody takes his candidacy seriously. Vivek Ramaswamy is 11 years old, and he's arrogant, and he's just not ready. I think that's a general perception of Vivek Ramaswamy. So that leads us to who? Who's left? Is it Donald Trump by default? Is it because the rest of the candidates just couldn't get there that we get Donald Trump by default? And is that what we want? 888-788-9910. I would like I would like for Donald Trump to have had some stiff competition, and I would like Donald Trump to stand up on a debate stage. I would like Donald Trump to defend some of the things that he has said and done that have, that have made his legal problems worse and his public perception problems worse. Donald Trump, from a, from a pure policy standpoint, I think had a very, very good presidency. I think the key mistake that he made going all the way back to 2020, uh, the the closing months of 2020 after the uh, November election in 2020, when the when the Supreme Court refused to hear the case brought about attorney brought, brought about by Attorney General Ken Paxton of my state of Texas, he brought suit against um, the, the state of Texas brought suit against Georgia and Pennsylvania, as I recall, and the Supreme Court should have heard that case. But the Supreme Court choose, chose not to hear the case. And when the Supreme Court declined the case, the election was over. And Donald Trump had lost. If he had done what Richard Nixon did in 1960, under somewhat similar circumstances, when there were a lot of good reasons to doubt the outcome of the 1960 election, he was encouraged, Nixon was, to, um, to contest the election. He said, no, it'll be bad for the country. That's 1960. Eight years later, he was elected president of the United States. He came back to, he came back to triumph. So if Donald Trump had not been as obstreperous as he was, if he had said, okay, this battle is lost, but the war goes on, I'm going to be alive to fight another day, he would be sitting pretty for re-election in 2024. He'd be in great shape. He would be seen as the guy, remember what it was like when it was me? Now you got Biden, you can have me back. It w- he would be in great shape. Instead, he kept relitigating 2020 when 2020 was over. And the fact that he didn't graciously accept the fact that he had lost, you have to say did contribute to the, to the mayhem on January 6th. January 6th was not an insurrection. It has been called that by the Democrats for their own narrow political purposes. It was not an attempt to overthrow the government. It was a bunch of knuckleheads who behaved like knuckleheads and were quickly put down. It, was, it came nowhere close to overthrowing the, the United States government. 
the very definition of an insurrection. But that's what it got labeled as, and the label has stuck. All because I don't think Donald Trump handled himself the way he should have after the f it became clear that he was not going to win the presidency in 2020. And here we are. And now I think maybe we have Donald Trump back again as the nominee by default. What do you think? 888-788-9910. Paul Gleiser sending in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America. More of the show coming up. Stay with us. It's the show that never hits the books. I love the poorly educated. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon. Fox Across America, 888-788-9910. What's on your top 10 list? What's on your, what's your top topic? Can't say it. Top topic for 2023 things we've talked about here on the radio, the things that are affecting the country. We go to the phones. Blake, in Tyler, Texas, where I'm sitting right now, you're the leadoff caller. What's on your mind? Yes, sir, Paul. Hey, I've got a top ten is in election integrity because everything that we are trying to affect across the world depends on our democratic process being um, fair and impartial. This last election, I agree with all the points that you were making about um, we've, got, we've, we've got to honor the winner or the loser in the elections. But there was every indication that there was uh, um, uh, fraudulent op, uh, voting procedures that was happening. And uh, we need to correct that because when we profess to be democratic and we involve ourselves in even military conflicts across the world and it becomes readily apparent that our our process is not secure then we as a people look really bad trying to promote good when we're doing stuff underhandedly and i believe this mail-in balloting is nothing more than voter counterfeiting we well, it's certainly Jimmy Carter said that the, the, uh, led a commission on on election integrity. Jimmy Carter, the very very liberal Democrat, said that that mail in voting is the most ripe for fraud. He himself said it. We need to be um, we need to go back to the inherent principles that we have in election day. We should make it a holiday so that people can get off at work and then they can go and vote in person. And I think everything needs. Everything about the electoral process has to be personal because we are a human society. We need interpersonal activity because if we don't have that, we don't have the heart behind what we're doing. You and, know, uh, okay. Well, you you know, Blake. One of the things that you, the point you bring up, election integrity, the defenders of the 2020 election say, well, there's no. There's no hard evidence that uh, enough votes were in question to have changed the outcome of the election. There's no hard evidence that fraud took place. Be that as it may, whether that's true or not, and you could debate it all day, and the fact is we'll never know. But the fact is between 40 and 50 percent of the country did not think the election was kosher and on the up and up. And you can't have that. Whether it was on the up and up or not, it didn't look like it was on the up and up. And our, our elections have to not only be 
uh, of proper integrity. They have to look like it. And the 2020 election didn't look like it. Absolutely. And we need to get back to where our elections look not only look like it, but are truthful, because there was a lot of evidence that was just completely ignored. Mail-in ballots that, that were being run through the voting machines that didn't have folds, so nobody folded it to put it in the mail. Yeah, and, 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 they, and poll watchers in, in, in Wayne County, Michigan, be, be, opposition party poll watchers being kept at, a, at yeah. a distant remove from the actual counting so they couldn't really see what was going on. Hey, maybe whatever, maybe everything that was going on was completely, um, completely kosher. But if you couldn't sit there and see it, you'll always have the question. Yes, and we need to be able to have that transparency. We got to know what the see the computers are so easily manipulated if you download mal- malware in, into it and you can get away with it. But it has ports that if you have a camera on the ports, you can see if the computer was taken down, if there's data inputted, if it was reinst- if it had yep. software reinstalled. I mean, All that hate. That they- Blake, I've got to jump him up against a hard break, but good leadoff call for the hour. Appreciate it. Uh, taking your calls, 888-788-9910. Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fela. More coming up. If you'd like to be a part of Fox Across America with Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon. If you need you you some Jimmy Fallon, you can still get it today. Jimmy is sitting in for Greg Gutfeld uh, on the 5 at 5 o'clock Eastern on the Fox News Channel. And then he's sitting in for Greg again on Gutfeld, the primetime show. Uh, at 10 o'clock Eastern, if you just got to have you some Jimmy. Meanwhile, if you if you can wait, Jimmy will be back on Tuesday uh, to start off 2024. Meanwhile, we're wrapping up 2023. Paul Gleiser sitting in, taking your calls, 888-788-9910. Barry in Los Angeles, what say you? Oh, I'm sorry, Barry, we'll come back to you. Our guest is ready, Madison Jessiato Gilbert. Uh, the spokesperson for the Republican National Committee joins us on the guest line. Madison, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Good to be with you. So your role with the RNC, tell us what that is. So I am the national spokesperson for the party. I have been since August. Uh, Before that, I was obviously very involved in the party for many years. I was the Republican nominee in one of the most targeted congressional districts in the 22 cycle in Ohio 13. uh, And many people before that may have seen me uh, with Fox and other networks as a uh, spokesperson for Trump's inauguration and as a commentator, both legal and political. So let me get you. I'm gonna put you on the spot here, Madison. Size up sure. the uh, the the presidential race now as you see it. I mean, you're looking across the country. I'm talking to people across the country as I travel uh, in my role and in, in personally, of course, as well. And I think it's a very good time to be a Republican. But I think that's something that we can't take for granted. Yes, Biden and his administration has failed. Yes, I think it's a huge opportunity for us to come in and win big, not just in the presidential, but in taking back the Senate and expanding the House majority and even down ballot races in the states. But I think it's all about not only having that right message, but also connecting that message where the voters are. And I've talked about this on this show and others very, very often over the past few months. We have to make sure we're connecting with voters better than we had in previous cycles. We have to connect with those young voters. We have to connect with suburban women. We have to get those messages to the right people. And then, of course, 
I'm talking a lot about banking your vote. I want Republicans to vote early. There's a huge stigma in the Republican Party about voting early. People don't want to vote early. I understand why they feel that way. I was never an early vote supporter. And still, if I could have it my way, I'd like it to be less early voting, less mail-in ballots, more Election Day voting. But the reality is there is an election season now. We have to play the same game the Democrats are playing, and if we don't, we'll lose. So I encourage people to vote early because what they don't think about and what they don't always realize is that if they vote the first day that is possible for voting in their state or if they mail in their ballot early, much more resources can be devoted to chasing independents, to chasing potential Democrats that are unhappy with the Democratic Party that may end up voting Republican and changing uh, the results of elections. And we could have seen great changes in 22 if more Republicans voted early as well. Well, the fact is, early voting is here. I'm with you. I think Election Day ought to be Election Day, and other countries do it, and they don't seem to have any problem doing it. And the other countries are able to count their votes, and we all go to sleep knowing who won. And I don't see why the big, the, the, the most successful, most resourceful nation in the world can't do the same thing. But the reality is we're, we vote during election season. It's, it's election month, not election day. I think that's not going to go away. I think that's a fact of life. And I think mail-in voting is not going to go away. And I think the Republicans have gotten beaten like rented mules by the Democrats, both with early voting and with mail-in balloting. And so I agree with you. I think Republicans had better get a darn good ground game together with respect to that because the Republicans seem to keep losing, keep fumbling the ball on the two-yard line. Um 2018 was not a great midterm uh, cycle for the Republicans. We know what happened in 2020. What, but what people forget about 2020 is Trump lost the White House, but down ballot the Republicans did pretty well in 2020. Um, but 2022, where was the red wave, um, uh, Madison? What happened? Yeah, again, I think when you look at races like mine, if we would have had a greater initiative on early voting, you could have seen changes. I got killed in the early vote. Obviously, abortion played a role in many of those races across the country. Um, I think we had many candidates who had the wrong messaging on abortion, and we saw that recently in some of these elections in 23 as well, where Republicans were outspent maybe you know seven, eight, nine to one, and they were defined by the Democrats on the issue of abortion. We can't allow Democrats to define us. Obviously, fundraising is big. We need to make sure that our candidates are fundraising, that we're, you know, matching those numbers. But we also, again, like I said before, have to make sure that the money that we do have is used in the right way. Uh, We need every single dollar to be used efficiently and to help us get across the finish line. And so we need to see, uh, you know, more dollars from a national perspective being available by people voting early. But then from a campaign perspective, not something we can control at the party, but we encourage all of our candidates and all of our campaigns to use those dollars as efficiently as possible. Uh, You want that money going towards reaching voters. Uh, Of course, ground game is very important. I got my start over 10 years ago in grassroots politics. I talk about it all the time. I still believe all politics are local. There's nothing that can ever really replace that face-to-face interaction of a candidate or a representative of a campaign with a voter. Uh, I believe in door knocking. I believe that, you know, just making those phone calls, uh, you know, in my race, Specifically, we had the most robust grassroots operation in the state, which I was very proud of and wouldn't have changed for anything. And we partnered with the RNC to do that. So I was grateful for Rana and the entire team and what they were able to do for us. Obviously, again, we didn't end up victorious, but we weren't the only ones. When you look at those targeted, very, very competitive races like mine that weren't Republican districts, uh, there were many other factors that came in. And so looking forward to 24, we as a national party took a look at 
my race, many races across the country, what could have been done differently, what could have been done better, and we're making sure that we're all hands on deck in every way possible for, you know, the, what things we can control to make sure that we can do that in 24. Madison Jessioto Gilbert, RNC national spokesperson. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you on something you said about <clears throat> expanding the lead in the, the majority in the House of Representatives. The congressman from the district uh, that I'm sitting in right now, Nathaniel Moran, 1st District of Texas, whose district office is literally about 100 yards from where I am sitting, has said to me privately and has said on the air <clears throat> that he has grave concerns that uh, the, the, the House, the Republicans can even keep the House, let alone expand the majority. You said something different. How do you reconcile an actual sitting congressman versus your position as a, as a political operative? Listen, I mean, to have concerns, I think, is very fair. I think a lot of people have concerns. But when you're going into an election cycle like 2024 and you're looking across the country, I think there are many areas in which people are very fed up with the Democrats, people who have historically voted Democrat. And I think we have real opportunity to get those voters. Uh, you look at even states like uh, Biden's home state, for example. Let's look at that. And this is something I think they did a segment on on Fox and Friends this week, talking about the fact that more than 35,000 Democrats re-registered as Republicans in Pennsylvania. So it's happening all across the country, and we're seeing people that are saying, listen, I didn't vote for this. This isn't the type of Democrat I voted for. You saw it back in 2016 with President Trump winning so many union votes that would have never been won by Republicans in the past. I think there's an opportunity. Obviously, each district is, is different, and we're going to look at each individual district and obviously campaigns and their decisions are going to play a role in this. But I do think there's an opportunity, and I think it's necessary. And it's also why we talk so much about unity. In order to do this, we need party unity, and we need people to come together, and they need to help get Republicans across the finish line. We see it time and time again. Democrats, they fight like cats and dogs behind closed doors, but they come together and they push their candidates to, to the win. And we as Republicans need to do a better job in 24 of doing that. The chairwoman's talked about it. I've talked about it. Other Republicans, of course, across the country, investors, voters, people I'm talking to every single day are really, really thirsty and hungry for more Republican unity. And I think it'll make a huge difference because, again, our 20 percent friend is not our 80 percent enemy. I want people to be feeling more welcome in the Republican Party, even if they just agree with us on the economy. Come and vote Republican, and we will work to get that done. And I think that's the message that needs to be sent. We do not need to be enemies because we don't agree 100 percent of the time. And that's a big mistake, I think, for many people in the Republican Party that have turned off people that could have come to the Republican Party earlier by making them feel like they're not welcome because they don't agree on 100 percent. Nobody agrees on 100 percent of things. Each individual Republican congressman isn't going to agree with each other 100 percent. I don't agree with my husband 100 percent of the time. You know the story. We all aren't going to agree. But yes, I certainly, I certainly, know, I, I certainly know that story, Madison, about my wife not agreeing <laughs> with me. I, I'm well familiar with that story. <laughs> As we all are. That one I got. Madison Jesse Otto Gilbert, RNC national spokesman, uh, on, on the line with us here on Fox Across America. So listen, I think in 2020, the RNC and the Trump campaign got caught flat-footed with respect to election procedures in, um, in key counties, in key swing states. And as a result, either the election got stolen or it had the look of being stolen. It will, we won't have that debate now. But it, the, the chaos that ensued because the Republicans weren't ready, I think, has damaged our politics since. What's the RNC doing about that? 
So we have invested heavily in a brand new election integrity department within the party. We already have eight full-time election integrity directors in the states. We're going to staff up to 15 very, very shortly. These are in states like Pennsylvania, Arizona, Wisconsin, uh, Georgia, Michigan, Florida, North Carolina. You know the drill. All of the states that people have their eyes on. Uh, we're involved, obviously, in 72 cases of litigation. Some, of course, in conjunction with the Trump campaign, some not. But on top of that, what many people don't see is what we're doing uh, that isn't necessarily a lawsuit when it comes to deep dives in the voter rolls, making sure those get cleaned up, putting pressure on behind the scenes in the states, uh, just addressing all of these issues that continue to happen that many people aren't aware of until it's too late. And so we're heavily, heavily invested and engaged in making sure that we're protecting the vote and making sure people feel that their vote's protected. We all know that a lot of people don't feel that way right now, and we want to make sure that we can play a role in changing that. Another thing that's that's going on that I think the Republican National Committee is going to have to be prepared for and is going to have to be uh, pretty aggressive about, and that is uh, blue states looking to kick Donald Trump in this case, but going forward, if they if they get away with this, any Republican that they can come up with some pretext for kicking him off the ballot. Last night, on um, on Laura Ingram's show, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis was there, and he he raised the point of um, what happens if they get away with this. It's cut five guys. It opens up Pandora's box. Can you have a Republican Secretary of State? Uh, disqualify Biden from the ballot because he's let in 8 million people illegally. I think that we win uh, when we hold Biden accountable and talk about the issues that matter to the American people. So I think the Democrats, they want the election to be about uh, all these other issues. They do not want to face accountability for their failed policies. Um, Madison, is the Republican National Committee ready to go to the mattresses in court on attempts by states to decide unilaterally to, uh, to keep uh, Republicans off the ballot? A hundred percent. I mean, we're all in on making sure that this does not ever happen again. Obviously, in the case of Colorado, Trump appealed. We'll, e -file, uh, we'll be filing amicus brief to support. Our legal department has resources devoted to this. Uh, we don't want this happening to any candidate. Uh, and obviously, a leading candidate in the Republican Party for a presidential election, absolutely unacceptable. It's election interference at its finest. Um, and I mean, you even look at what they're doing um, from a, you know, a legal perspective and their application of the 14th Amendment is just simply wrong. And so we're ready and right there with President Trump to make sure that he's back on the ballot and that the voters can decide, because that's what this should come down to. Whoever the nominee is should be chosen by the voters, not by an individual who makes a self-determination in a state um, based off of political purposes. It's totally inappropriate what they've done. Yeah, my problem with it in Maine as well. Yeah, my problem with this is if, if, if he is so obviously disqualified, let the voters say so. Exactly. And they haven't. And on top of that, I mean, we had cases that didn't get this far that we won, um, that we were involved in in other states like Michigan, uh, where they tried to kick him off the ballot. They weren't successful. I think the Supreme Court of the United States will rule swiftly on this and this will be taken care of. But it's a shame that it had to get to that point because it shouldn't have. It's Like I said, it's inappropriate. It's wrong. And I think the people who did it really know that at the end of the day, but chose to do it anyway. Monica Jessieto Gilbert, RNC national spokesperson, got a, got about a minute left. Um, last thing, the chairwoman, Ronna McDaniel, has come under a lot of uh, criticism for her leadership. Where do you where do you think the leadership stands in the RNC going forward? You know, I think across the country, you see so much misinformation. We see it online and. 
it's really a shame because many people don't know what the National Party does. Uh, again, one of the things that she continues to hate, take heat for uh, in the media and online is, I guess, an apparent non-attention to grassroots, which from my experience, like I said, as a grassroots person myself, couldn't be farther from the truth. When I was that candidate in the 22 cycle in Ohio, we could never have executed our grassroots strategy and program without the partnership of the RNC. And when so many people, you know, you expect to step up for you when you run for office for the first time, which that was obviously my first time running for office. And uh, I was quite surprised with many people who I thought would be my biggest grassroots program supporters, they just simply didn't show up for me, but the RNC did. And so I can speak from personal experience uh, in regards to her commitment to making sure that we build that infrastructure and we are that road that the candidates can drive on, that we are as a national party committed to getting out the vote, committed to grassroots. I think it's very important. Uh, and I just think that it's really a shame that there is so much misinformation out there about this. Uh, I think some of the other things that the national party is doing that are very positive and also not talked about enough, whether it's like I said earlier, the Bank Your Vote initiative, pushing people to vote early, protecting your vote, all of the things that we've devoted to that um, in our election integrity department. I mean, I could go on all day, but I'm very proud of the work the RNC is doing. Uh, and I think moving forward, we will have a great impact in 24. Madison Jessieto Gilbert, RNC national spokesperson, our guest here on Fox Across America. Uh, Madison, thank you very much. Uh, Happy New Year. And let's uh, hope the GOP has a good one in 2024. Thank you. Happy New Year to you, too. There she goes. Here we go. For your calls, it's it's your show from now till the till the end of the third hour, which starts in about nine minutes. For the rest of the show, it's your calls and what's on your mind, your top topic for 2023, what do you see for 2024, 888-788-9910. If you want to be a part of the program, it's going to be you and me and the phones and what's on your mind, 888-788-9910. More of Fox Across America with Paul Gleiser sending in for Jimmy Fallon's coming up. The critics have spoken. I really appreciate fine art. You do? Yes. And this isn't it. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We're wrapping up Hour 2 of Fox Across America and teeing up Hour 3 to come after the top of the hour break. We set up the show at the beginning with Michael Harrison, publisher of Talkers Magazine, who every year at this time puts out the list of the top 10 talk radio topics for the year, this case 2023. And here they are in ascending order. We started number 10 with uh, Biden and uh, the whole brouhaha that, uh, that swirls around him and what came out of his laptop leading to very credible charges of and, and, and fear of corruption of the Biden family all the way up to his dad, the president. Number nine was abortion, the uh, the impact it had on the 2022 race uh, and um, the impact that it has going forward on Republicans. Number eight was crime and homelessness in American cities. Number seven was chaos in the House of Representatives. The uh, the speaker uh, brouhaha. Mike Johnson's now the speaker after Kevin McCarthy was ousted. War in Ukraine and um, Israel. Uh, number uh, six. Number five. Social media, AI, and big tech. 
Number four, immigration. Number three, the economy. Number two, Trump's legal woes. And number one, coming in at the very top of the list, the 2024 election. What's on your list? The next hour is all you and me in the phones. 888-788-9910. It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here at Fox Across America. We'll take all of this on after the uh, after the top of the hour break. Hope you'll stick around. There's another great hour of the show coming up here on Fox Across America. Don't go away. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it is. It's kicking off Hour 3, Fox Across America, the last hour of the last show of 2023 here on Fox Across America. It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon. Want to hear from you this entire hour, 888-788-9910. We went down the top ten list of top talk radio topics. I'll get it out if it kills me for 2023. The tops on the list, of course, the 2024 presidential election. But also on there, Hunter Biden, abortion, the economy, immigration, Donald Trump's legal woes, social media, war, chaos in the House of Representatives, crime in our major cities. What's on your mind? 888-788-9910. Nick, Wellington, Nevada, you're the first caller of the last hour. What's on your mind? What do you say? Well, thank you for having me on your show. Yes, sir. Uh, I wanted to say something about Nikki Haley's comment. Mm-hmm. She wasn't far off about uh, problems with governing between the states. There were, It was a fight about sovereignty between the states and the national government, which yep. is what it was called. It was called the national government. So every time the uh, Congress would create some kind of a policy – the, the states would oppose it. They didn't like being governed. They were used to being governed by themselves. So they fought back a lot, and slavery, slavery was a part of it, but uh, most of it was because of, like, South Carolina and Virginia. They didn't like tariffs on the cotton. Uh, they fought back because it caused the garments to be overpriced and... They fought back on that, and also banking. The government tried to put their fingers in and make policy between the states and the government about banking. And uh, the part about slavery was uh, Lincoln wanted to uh, keep slavery for the western states, west of the Mississippi, and free the slaves in the uh, southern states because many of the... uh, black people had served in the Civil War, so he couldn't enslave those people after they had fought for this country. So he, you know, created the Emancipation Proclamation and freed all the slaves. Yes, so Nick, let me let me jump in on you here. That All of that is, there's a, you're, you're, you're on a pretty good thread there. The problem is, uh, politically, there's no way in the way world it will work. And here's where what, what you're up against. The the Civil War, yeah, there was, it was state rights. There was uh, there was the, the conflict, the inherent conflict between state governments and the federal government. There was all those things. All those things are true. But at the very 
root of it all was the irreconcilability of the nation's founding principles and the institution of slavery. That goes all the way back to the Constitutional Convention in, in Philadelphia in September, uh, well, in, in the summer of 1787. They had to make a compromise with respect to slavery in order to, in order to get all of the states to ratify a constitution, but it was a real fraught subject. And here's the, here's the thing that makes it a problem for Nikki Haley. The first state to secede from the Union in December of 1860 was South Carolina, Nikki Haley's home state. And the first thing that they cited in their, article of, in their articles of secession the number one thing that South Carolina cited was opposition by non-slaveholding states to the institution of slavery. That you take all of that and you let Nikki Haley just say, "What do you want to ask? What do you want me to say about slavery?" In a softball question that was a plant that she should have hit out of the park. All of that will be used against her in an incredibly negative way going forward. I think for the rest of her political career. Because her, her simple answer was, what was the cause of the Civil War? Well, you say, well, sir, at its root, it was the whole, the whole disagreement in the nation regarding slavery. And it had to be worked out. And it, it, turned out, it turned out to be a fight between the states. And it was the Republican Party that stood stalwart against the institution of slavery. That's all she had to say. And instead, she meandered around, and it didn't work, and it's going to blow up in her face. Nick, I appreciate your call, 888 9910, George, Annapolis, Maryland. What do you say? Well, all the points are just great. And uh, I like Nikki. I think Nikki Scott, uh, I, I wouldn't give up. You can't just give up. You have so much to offer the country. And I hope, Nikki, I hope you're listening. I would just turn this around, turn the negative into a positive. Give as many interviews as possible. Look at all the negative stuff that Trump said gave him so much TV time. Just tell everybody, I want to sit in front of you. I want to sit in front of you and say it. The Republicans solved the slavery problem. Yes, I should have said something. Maybe it was a gaffe, but I, sh but I can guarantee you that it was the Republicans who saved the, you know, uh, um, freed the slaves. It wasn't the Democrats. They just leech onto anything that will get them a vote, and they lie and steal. At the end of the day, everything that we need to do is pay off our debt. She should just hammer all the things that need to get done. If she keeps keep saying it, it was the Republicans who saved the slaves. A lot of that has changed between now and then, and a lot of things have gone the other way. But division is not the way to go. And she just doesn't, she's just done talking about it. Just stop talking about it. We just, I'm just tired of talking about it. I want to move on. I want to talk about the future. She just talk positive, and this will go away. Well, I'll tell you what would have helped her a lot if she had come out today and said, you know what, I gave a bad answer to that question. I, you know, I got caught yep. a little bit flat-footed, and I'm sorry for that. It happens to all of us. We all are asked questions that we don't give our best answer to first. I did. We sometimes misspeak. We sometimes fail to say things we should have said or we say things we wish we hadn't said. And it happened to me, and I'm sorry for it because I wish I could, I wish I could go back and say, yes, yeah, slavery was at the right. root of the, of the Civil War, and I should have answered that question better. But we have things facing us in 2024 that are, right. that are profoundly important to the 21st century, and that's where I want to focus my campaign. If she'd have come out today and said that, if she'd have said that, she might be okay, but but her answer, her trying to walk it back, I've got to tell you, it's been, as as Governor Ron DeSantis kind of correctly uh, characterized it, it has been word salad. 
It was a worth challenge. But, again, she needs to learn from her mistake and just say, as a representative of all Republicans, I cannot, you cannot say, you cannot blame Republicans for being a party of slavery. You cannot. As much as you want to, you can't. You, I represent, I want to represent all Republicans, and I want to represent the Democrats. There's every type of people there. There's Cubans, there's Dominican Republicans, there's white, there's black, there's Asians, and all of them have different issues. The one issue of slavery has been resolved. Let's move on. I, she, she just keep hammering that. And, and, and she, she just called the Democrats racist. They're the ones that are racist. She should just... The Republicans do not do a good job of branding other the other party. They, they they keep getting branded and they keep getting branded. If they say tomorrow, then something is it's something about tomorrow. They want to enslave you tomorrow. They should just learn from from the other side and just. I know it sounds. They just want to be pure, you know. And it's, it's not a time to be pure. I mean, you, you, Nikki's not pure. No, none of us are. I have had bad thoughts, and hell have you. You know, you get mad, you say something bad, and then you apologize afterwards, and you hope that you learn from it and you become a better person for it. And she should just you know, learn from that. And 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 yes, DeSantis was a rock star with the way he said it. I'm sorry that he is not doing better, but uh, I feel that Nikki has a best chance with you know the abortion issue. And the fact that, you know, the, the fact that she's a woman, I mean, there's so much positive there. I, she's just, I think she's just interviews, give interviews. Yeah, well, she's going to try to fix it between uh, now and, um, well, January 15th is the, the Iowa caucuses. You know, she started her morning today in New Hampshire. She this by now she is in Iowa. She's campaigning hard because the first two, the first two games of the regular season are up. It's, it's Iowa, January fifteenth. Eight days later, it's the New Hampshire primary. And here's the where I think you know Nikki Haley's got to be kicking herself. According to an American Research Group poll, it's not one of the one of the big brand name polls, but it was a poll that came out right before Christmas. Had her within four points of, of front runner Donald Trump in New Hampshire. And the scenario that if, it, if that poll has any validity, and who knows if it does. And, and who knows, given this this kerfuffle now, whether uh, that poll is now moot. But let's assume for the moment, for the sake of discussion, that that poll was accurate, that uh, Nikki Haley's uh, ascendancy against Trump was really uh, really getting close. Let's say that she were to upset Trump in, um, in New Hampshire. Carl Rove, before all of this uh, broke out, predicted that she would. Then she goes from New Hampshire into into the next primary. The next thing up on the on the calendar is South Carolina, her home state. Let's say she were to win that one. All of a sudden, you have a whole new race. And my fear for the Nikki Haley campaign is this is just enough of a gaffe to keep that though keep those uh, those balls from lining up in order. I think it knocks off just enough. If maybe it may knock off more than just enough. But I think it derails that plausible scenario that she could uh, go from uh, from a, a very close second or an upset in New Hampshire to a to an upset in um, in South Carolina, then be off to the races. And so you have to ask yourself: Is it now Donald Trump the nominee by default? We're smart people. I cannot believe that Nikki Haley is racist. Just cannot. No, not. I don't think. No, I don't and, think she's racist. And, and, I, I, I don't think so either. 
I think I think she, didn't she just say anything that was racist. She just left something out. That no, she, she, left she, out. she just she was was thrown a, a, a little bit of a curveball. It wasn't a great big breaking curveball. It's a little bit of right. a curveball. And the thing is, it's the major leagues. You got to be able to hit the curve. Hey, listen, George, appreciate your call. 888-788-9910. Richard from Gerardstown, West Virginia. You're next on Fox Across America. What do you say? Hey, Paul. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Pleasure to um, have you here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Paul, you know what? You know what's curious? I was just listening to your last con- conversation. Why doesn't Nikki Haley know the history of her own state? Well, you you'd know? like to think she does. I mean, she's, she's an extremely smart, very well-educated woman. But the Civil War started April 12th, 1861. Right? Yes, it did. Okay. The Morrell tariff was signed March March fourth, March second, pardon me, by Buchanan. Um, the Civil War was started by both tariffs and slavery. Yeah. You know, period. But yeah. people don't people don't want to talk about tariffs and taxes. You know? No, the, the the civil war is an emotional issue. It's a it's a litmus test. It was Nikki Haley who who can rights rightfully say that she took down the Confederate battle flag in in South cool. Carolina as governor. She took it down because of the fact that it is a it's a it's a flashpoint uh, of uh, emotion over the over the legacy of the Civil War and the legacy of slavery. She 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 had some solid ground to stand on. I mean, matter of fact, now as I think about it. If I were Nikki Haley, if I'd been the one that took down the, the the rebel flag, I would have led with that. What role did it have? I'm the yes, it was slavery. Look what I did. I mean, she. I think she 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 uh, she fumbled an opportunity there, and she created I think what has at least the potential to be um, fatally career damaging gaffe. Actually, Paul, I think I think you're absolutely right. I I I, I really do. Um... So I got a I got a minute left. What's do you have anything on your on your top ten list of talk radio topics for twenty twenty three? Has to be has to be Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden with Congress subpoenaing him, you know, and him standing in front of the Senate, you know. Well, I, I people the, the the other side, the Democrats are saying, well, there's been no evidentiary link you don't have a a, a, a positive link uh, there's no proof that hunter biden's activities personally profited joe biden uh can you imagine what they would be saying if you had this much ev- evidence against donald trump exactly exactly can you imagine <laughs> no i mean look what they're doing in colorado and maine and it's like okay please yeah and uh, if if this were if this were Donald Trump and it were it were Donald Trump Jr. who'd been collecting millions of dollars from bad actors around the world and and funneling money through cutout companies that were put out that were formed purely for the purpose of of processing payments purely for the purpose of making it hard to trace payments and if it and if and if and if it was his father living in a house that he would not be able to afford on a government salary, what do you think they would be saying about Donald Trump and Donald Trump Jr.? Then, 
the the double standard is absolutely breathtaking. Hey, I appreciate the call up against a break, but but thanks for checking in, uh, Richard. And you have a happy new year. 888-788-9910. Paul Gleiser taking your calls between now and the top of the hour. More of the show's coming up. Stay with us. You're listening to the most addictive show on the radio. This is crack, rock cocaine. It isn't glamorous or cool or kid stuff. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You've know, you got to ask yourself, what are these Democrats in states like Maine and Colorado, what are they afraid of? Why are they afraid to have Donald Trump on the ballot? Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon asking that question. If, if Donald Trump is so obviously deficient and unqualified to be the president of the United States, why not let the voters just tell you so? Why do you have to keep him off the ballot? If you really believe that he shouldn't be president, and if you really trust in democracy, as you are constantly saying you do, we have to preserve our democracy. If you truly believe that, let democracy work and let the voters say. Why are you afraid uh, to put him on the ballot? The answer is because you're afraid the voters will disagree with you, and the voters will choose something other than what you think ought to happen. So you insert your imperial wishes ahead of those of the Democratic voters, Democrat with a D, little d. If you're so sure that Donald Trump is a bad guy, let the voters affirm that for you, if you trust in democracy. 888-788-9910. Bet you never heard of Shenna Bellows before today. She took unilaterally, as, a, as not even elected by the people, appointed by the legislature, the Secretary of State of Maine, decided on her own because she thinks she knows best. She decided she was going to take Donald Trump off the ballot in Maine, joining Colorado, where the Supreme Court of that state, in a divided in a 4-3 decision, there's a seven-person panel on the Colorado Supreme Court in a... In a in a, in a four to three um, a majority decision, Colorado decided to take Donald Trump off of the ballot in 2024 because they say he's disqualified under, um, under the Constitution of the 14th, having um, been guilty of insurrection. The fact is he's never been even charged with insurrection, let alone found guilty of it. So, uh, again, just unilaterally, without any real uh, support under the law, taking a, a candidate off the ballot, 14, 13, 14 other states thinking about doing the same thing. Ron DeSantis is right. It's Pandora's box. Every election cycle, you'll have unelected officials deciding on a partisan and, and uh, ideological basis who should be on the ballot and who shouldn't. That's no way to run a constitutional republic. What do you think? 888 788-9910. It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fella here on the last Fox Across America of the year. The last half hour is coming up. Stay with us. Entering the fourth turn of the final show of 2023, Fox Across America, Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fela, 888-788-9910 if you want to be a part of the show. Curtis Chandler, Texas, not far from where I am right now. What say you? Well, first off, I want to let you know I'm a follower of your 
uh, you tell me Texas emails. Uh, but also, I was hearing something this morning that made a lot of sense. That part of the reason the Democrats are doing what they're doing as far as keeping trying to keep Trump off the ballots is that right now, because Jack Smith has gotten slapped down again by the Supreme Court and said, no, 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 you got to go through the appellate court first, uh, that uh, there's nothing going on with those court cases against Trump, per se. And so the news cycle is, you know, looking for something to put out there, and these Democrat activists are saying, okay, well, shoot. Let's throw this out there. Keep this negative thing going. Keep that negative thing going. Ooh, the big one is keep him off the ballot. So I say you. Well, I, what I say is the whole idea of unelected, uh, in the case of Maine, unelected um, officers of the of the state government. I mean, the, the Secretary of State is not even elected by the people. She's appointed by the legislature. But the... The idea that the states are going to unilaterally, based on their own politics and their own ideology and their own prejudices, decide who and who cannot appear on a ballot and face the voters, that is, Ron DeSantis is right, it's Pandora's box. It means every election cycle, in addition to having to to go out and, and raise money and go out and make yourself a credible candidate and, start, and form an organization, you're going to have to run the gauntlet of the courts and the Secretary of State and the rest of the state bureaucracy in your state in order to gain the favor of the ruling class as to whether or not you can even run. There, there is no way the Republic survives that. Yeah, one of the dissenting judges in Colorado made the comment, says, this is just going to create chaos. Of, the well, first of course degree, it is. If you will. Of course and, it yeah. is. And, uh, yeah. No, and so, so listen. Basically, it, like I said. Go ahead. Yeah, they're looking for something for the news cycle. That's what well, they're looking yeah, for. Yeah, they're also, that, that's the, I think that's the most charitable view of it, Curtis. I think the, the much more cynical view is that uh, they, don't, they don't trust the American voters to do the right thing as they define the right thing. Yeah. Well, I'll be looking for your next uh, editorial of You Tell Me, Texas. I hope you and a whole lot of other people listening will be looking for it. YouTellMeTexas.com. Appreciate your call, Curtis. Yeah, listen, it's not uh, it's not up to the Secretary of State to decide who should qualify to be on the ballot. I mean, there are legal qualifications. That's a misstatement. It's not, but uh, an ideological qualification doesn't make that smell test. And in the case of the, the Colorado Supreme Court, you say you're keeping Trump off the ballot for having committed an insurrection. By a finding of whom? Where is the where is the verdict finding Donald Trump guilty of insurrection? Now they're using the Fourteenth Amendment, which was passed in the eighteen sixty seven. I want to say right after the Civil War. It's one of the three what's called Reconstruction Amendments that were passed immediately after the Civil War. Thirteenth Amendment eliminated slavery. The Fourteenth Amendment provided equal protection under the laws and also kept unrepentant Confederates from being elected to Congress. And then, and then they even voted themselves a mechanism for dealing with that. Most of those unrepentant um, uh, Confederates were eventually um, uh, rehabilitated, were given amnesty for that. So the, the 14th Amendment was not intended for use by um, uh, courts in, in individual states. 
for determining qualification to be on a presidential ballot. And if Donald Trump had ever been adjudged guilty of insurrection, then that's one thing, but he hasn't been. Nor is it even accurate to call what happened on January 6th, which I condemned in real time. Jimmy Fallon on this show condemned in real time. It's still not accurate to call it an insurrection. It was a bunch of knuckleheads who who created a... A, a, a riot, I mean, a, a rather smallish riot as riots go as compared to the riots that beset the nation in 2020 in cities all across the country. By comparison to those, is pretty small potatoes riot, but let's go ahead and call it a riot. It was a riot, not an insurrection. It was quickly put down by law enforcement, and it did not try to overthrow the government, which is what an insurrection is. So you can't, you can say whatever you want to about Donald Trump, and I've been fairly critical of him. I've also been fulsome in my praise of him. I, I think I see Donald Trump for what he is. I think he is a, he is, his policy is right on. I think his personal behavior um, sabotages what would otherwise be a great policy guy. But with all of that said, he didn't commit insurrection. And so you can't, you can't, with no finding of guilt of that crime, you can't turn around and say, well, he can't be on the ballot because he committed insurrection. Nobody said he has. And really what you're, what's going on is these, these jurisdictions are just deciding they don't like the guy and they're afraid the American people are going to vote for him. And they can't live with that, so they find a mechanism to keep him off. That is absolutely, Ron DeSantis is right, that is Pandora's box, 888-788-9910. What do you think? Listen, before we wrap up the year, Let's take a look. I hope you, if you're a subscriber to the Wall Street Journal, because this article is behind the paywall, but Carl Rove, Carl Rove who was the architect of the George W. Bush um, uh, uh, victories in, uh, in 2000 and again in 2004, uh, political advisor and, and a senior advisor to George W. Bush's president, Carl Rove writes a weekly column, and he, wrote, uh, he writes one every year at this time, where he gives his predictions for the coming year and assesses the accuracy of his predictions for the previous year. He wrote a, it's a very good piece if you can uh, if you can get beyond the paywall. And here's some of the things that he says in his article as as uh, predictions for the for the year of 2024. He says as follows: the S&P 500 ends the year up, but by less than half this year's gains. The economy grows by two percent or more. Crime leads to the defeat of progressive prosecutors, including George Gascon in uh, Los Angeles. And here's the good part. The Supreme Court rules Mr. Trump isn't immune from prosecution. He wins Iowa by an unconvincing margin. Nikki Haley wins New Hampshire, predicted Mr. Rove, before the Civil War debacle on Wednesday in, in Berlin, New Hampshire. Unless she receives massive popular support and financial support, he grinds her down, employing tricks with party rules. Biden versus Trump is a chaotic nasty mess. Well, I don't think that's a hard prediction to make if it comes to pass. Mr. Biden counts on Mr. Trump being convicted and voters adjusting to inflation's effects. Mr. Trump counts on anger over a politicized justice system and Mr. Biden's age and mental capacity. Most vote for whom they hate or fear less. Mr. Trump is convicted before November, yet wins the election while Mr. Biden receives a plurality of the popular vote. The race is settled by fewer than 25,000 votes in each of four or fewer states. Third-party candidates get more votes in those states than Mr. Trump's margin over Mr. Biden. God help our country.
Grove goes on to predict. The House flips Democratic. The Senate goes the other way. But knucklehead Republicans lose two or three winnable races. So that's Carl Rove's predictions for 2024. Let's all write that down. Let's see how he does. He goes on to say the Texas Longhorns are college football champs. So come horns. Uh, Lamar Jackson will be the NFL MVP. Oppenheimer, the best picture, and uh, Chillian Murphy, best actor. I wasn't that big a fan of Oppenheimer. Succession wins the Mimi for best drama. For album of the year, I'm still a Swifty. Thank you, Carl. Am I the only guy that doesn't get Taylor Swift? I mean, I understand she's a she is an absolute she's a, a economic powerhouse. She's an engine of of GDP growth. She is huge. She is rivals the NFL in terms of her impact on the American psyche. But man, I listen to the music and I just don't get it. Am I alone in that? 888-788-9910 if you want to weigh in on that. Here's here's the thing. Here's where I'm going to, I'm going to wrap up 2023 moving into 2024. I would like to trust our key institutions again. I would like to do whatever we have to do to restore faith in the Department of Justice so that the word justice is actually operable, so that we know if you commit a crime, it will make no difference on which side of the political divide you are. If you commit a crime, you will be prosecuted. Or if you are on the wrong side of the political divide, you nevertheless will not be uh, targeted by the Department of Justice because of an attempt to take you out via lawfare where, where you can't be taken out of the, of the ballot box. I would like to restore faith and respect in the Department of Justice, which extends to the FBI. I am to the place now, and you should be too, given what we have seen from the FBI, that if an FBI agent comes and asks you if you think that basset hound puppies are cute, you should say, I'm not going to answer that question in the absence of my attorney. Because the FBI, once held in the highest of regard, by the American people and by law enforcement around the world, the FBI has revealed itself over the past, uh, since 2016, since the Russia uh, collusion hoax, the FBI has revealed itself to be politicized and politically corrupt. The FBI should be above politics. I would like to restore respect and faith in the Federal Bureau of Investigation and its parent organization, the cabinet-level department, the Department of Justice. I would like to know that if you're called before the dock, you will be treated justly. We have to have a Department of Justice that we trust. I would like to get back to the place where we trust and respect our electoral process. Say whatever you want about whether you believe that the 2016 election was stolen or not, a high enough percentage of Americans today believe that it was for that to be a problem. The American election system must not only be fair and, and, and rules-bound, it must have the appearance of being bound by the rules and being fair. It has to not only be good, it has to look good. And the 26 to 2020 election... The American election system did not look good in a whole lot of places. In Michigan, 
where they wouldn't let uh, poll watchers get near where the actual counting was going on. In Georgia, where they stopped counting in the dark of the night because of a broken water main that turned out to be an overflowing toilet. All those things stink to the heavens. I want to get back to where we trust our elections. If you are going to have mail-in ballots, you need to have very, very good mechanisms and systems for ensuring um, in that the signatures match, that the process is clean, so that you avoid fraud. I wish we didn't have mail-in ballots, but if you're, you're, you're going to, um, if you're going to have mail-in ballots, you've got to have a clean system. I want to get back to trusting that. And I, w- I, would like to, I would like to get our politics back to debating the issues that really matter. We, we, Democrats accuse Republicans. Republicans accuse Democrats. Uh, Democrats usually re- accuse the Republicans of what they, the Dems, are doing. That's, that really defines our politics. Why aren't we talking about debt and deficits? Why aren't we talking about how we're going to keep a country from going broke that spends $2 trillion a year more than it takes in? And is $34 trillion in debt headed very rapidly toward $35 trillion in debt? Why aren't we talking about the best way not to make poverty more tolerable to people who are living in poverty, but to actually lift people out of poverty, to reduce the, the number of people who need government benefits? The, the great Rush Limbaugh used to say, with a line that I'm stealing from him directly, the measure of a society is not how many people it's helping. The measure of a society is how few people need the help. Why aren't we talking about lifting people out of poverty? I would like for us to get to do a discussion on what should our educational institutions look like. Um, should they be places of indoctrination, or should they be places where the fund of knowledge is passed from one generation to the next? we got time for one more call before the show ends today. Linda from Ohio, what say you? Linda. Londa? Londa from Ohio. You're next. No, no, I'm Londa from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Oh, sorry, mis- misread, the, misread the text here. My, my bad. We, we got you on the no, air, Londa. What say you? What I say is, you know, they are accusing Donald Trump of taking away our liberties, etc. But haven't the Democrats themselves turned into a dictatorship by telling us who we can and can't vote for. Of course. They're the epitome of being the dictatorship that they're trying with all of this BS that they're trying to pull. They need to let the American voters tell the government who works for us, let us tell them what needs to be done instead of them telling us what they think needs to be done. Well, and again, if you the Democrats are always talking about preserving democracy, if you believe in democracy, let democracy work. No, but, exactly, we're supposed to be a republic. The, the Democrats are turning it into a dictatorship. So that's exactly what's going on here. Yeah, well, the, well, yeah. or yeah, a, a ruling class that's telling us uh, all the rest of us plebes how we should live. Londa, sorry exactly. I mispronounced your name. I appreciate your call and happy new year. Happy New Year. More of the show's coming up here on Fox Across America. Stay with us. Tackling issues of the day in an easy way. He's all man. He's a big, strong-looking guy. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 
It's Paul Gleiser sitting in for Jimmy Fallon here on Fox Across America, bottom of the ninth inning on the last day, on the last show of the year. Uh, what an interesting year it's been, as the, the Confucian uh, curse says, may you live in interesting times. We are certainly doing that. Listen, as we as we wrap up the year, um, I want to say that, first of all, Thank you for letting me uh, let me fill in for the guy you really come here to hear, Jimmy Fela. Uh, between now and the next time that I fill in, should I be given that honor? Hopefully, you and I can keep the conversation going at youtellmetexas.com. I write a column every week where I say what's on my mind, and I really, really want uh, your comments in return. That's a two-way street. That's why we named it what we did. You can subscribe there, youtellmetexas.com. On the subject of Jimmy Fela, can we not be thankful for this show, for the difference that Jimmy Fela has made in the national conversation, the the positivity, the fact that we that he affirms every day what you and I all believe that we do live in the uh, in the greatest country in the world. This show has been a breath of very much needed fresh air in the realm of talk radio. It's off to bigger and better things in 2024. One of the best decisions I made as an independent radio station owner and a talk radio guy since 1976 is when the great Rush Limbaugh died, I had to find somebody to fill that slot and ably filled by Jimmy Fallon. We're all lucky to have him, so let's be grateful for that. And so that is a wrap here on Fox Across America for 2023. Our radio buddy Jimmy will be back in the studio on Tuesday to kick off 2024. If you want to see Jimmy, he'll be on the Fox News Channel today at 5 Eastern and again at 10, filling in for Greg Gutfeld. Have a safe and happy new year. Keep it clean. Keep it safe. And remember always that we do live in the greatest country in the world. Paul Glasser here saying Happy New Year, everybody. See you next year. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.